1: This is the Music Buzz Podcast. The Music Buzz Podcast features candid discussions with and about those behind the scenes in the music business, including industry veterans representing the segments of Musician, Design, and Live. All three Music Buzz podcast hosts have spent their careers working with the biggest names in entertainment and have been and are still a fly on the wall. Dan Clark, as the drummer for John Mellencamp's band for over 20 years and various solo projects. Hugh Sign, a world-renowned graphic artist for the biggest names in music and the corporate world. Andy Wilson, an award-winning marketing and public relations executive with over 20 years of combined multi-level entertainment industry experience in the music and sports business
2: now let's buzz hello and welcome back to the music buzz podcast i'm andy wilson along with dane clark hey dane hey andy how are you today i'm good and also hugh Syme. how's it going hugh i'm doing well thank you andrew and you i'm doing great thank you good yeah today we're joined by corey larios and david jenkins both are founding and current members of the legendary san francisco band pablo cruz from 1975 to 85 the band toured U.S., Canada, and Japan extensively, reaching the top 10 with mega hit classic songs like "What You Gonna Do, Love Will Find A Way, and several other top 20 songs. The band went on to sell several million albums worldwide and singles collectively and established themselves as well-respected writers, performers within the industry. Fast forward 20 years. In 2005, a reunited band picked up where they left off, and today the band performs all over the world, primarily U.S. and Canada. And enjoying it now more than ever. We're also going to jump into David and Corey's other projects and other things that they've done in their careers, as well as their new song, Breathe. So welcome to the Music Buzz, Corey and David.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Nice to meet you. Likewise.
2: Sure glad you guys are here.
0: We're glad to be anywhere.
3: Right. Any of us at this point. Well, I'd like to start with what I usually do is uh, kind of go over some songs that I, I always do a little deep dive in uh, in an artist uh, repertoire. And... I pick some songs that I think not always the songs that everybody knows, but I picked five years that really kind of spoke to me as as a musician and a listener that some of them, maybe people don't know that much about, but we like to encourage listeners to, you know, to to do a deep dive in, into somebody's catalog. And, uh, so I really love your first record. And I remember hearing it, a buddy of mine had it. I had your second record, but the first record, um, so look to the sky and I remembered it as soon as I heard it, it reminded me then and now a little bit of like, like a great Glenn Campbell classic, which what could be better kudos than that? Very cool song. Loved it.
4: Uh, that, that came out of Bud Cockrell, uh, his countryside and Bud had a lot of country in him.
3: Sure. With the beautiful strings too, you know?
2: hmm
4: Yeah.
3: It yeah. was
2: definitely
4: a country lean. Wasn't
2: that, 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 was that on? our, our sure. second
5: album, Lifeline? The one where and you guys has, are naked in the water. That's their second album. Oh, okay. That was Lifeline. Just on that note, I've got to say, I've, I've observed that throughout the 70s, there was kind of a trend. Orleans, Prince, the Allman Brothers in the Creek. Peter Frampton, they all went shirtless. So That was the photographer, Norman Seif,
0: and that was kind of his thing. Norman did yeah.
5: it. Yeah, He used to work with Norman's assistant, Cameron. Okay,
0: yeah, so that was kind of a trademark thing in Orleans, yeah, for sure. I don't know who else
5: did it, but but uh, yeah. It worked, it worked. Yeah. I remember the cover very well. So anyway,
3: back to my five, there's the first one. I love that song, people, if you guys, if, you, if our listeners haven't heard it, check out Look to the Sky, Zero to Sixty and Five, okay, some killer classical piano, um, Corey, on that. And then the way it does that intro and then hops into the up-tempo section. Great playing, production, the strings again. And Dave, what a great solo, man. Very tasteful. well, what Everything's really well thought out in that song.
4: Thought out is the key word because I remember Corey and I going back and forth. I forget what studio, SIR, or some studio, might have been A&M. Well, at first we were trying to. We actually thought we could, you know, squeeze a vocal and a lyric
0: into that thing. And it's just then once we got the instrumental going, and the the strings were done by David Campbell, who's actually Beck's yeah, dad. yeah, oh wow, and cool. uh, those were some of the best sessions. They were unbelievable that 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 zero to sixty session for us was on New Year's Eve, nineteen seventy six. Oh wow, it was, it was unbelievable. That that I'll never forget it because it was such a great session. I mean, this the orchestra was just perfect
3: oh yeah you can tell man i love his arrangements and the piano sound on that record too just the the you know the the grand piano is fantastic and the song crystal that could been an elton john classic that's how good that song is to my ear melodically and harmonically yeah uh very cool song never had a love like this that's a great one, man. I'd, I'd never heard that one before. Hadn't heard that. Huh. The 50s kind of piano thing. Then the cool guitar arpeggio that goes on top of that. We segue
0: out of another song. or in, We segue from another song into that, right?
3: It starts right on that 50s kind of gunk, 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 you know. Yeah. Whatever he, you'd call that. He,
5: yes, yeah. I was hearing on that gunk, 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 gunk note, I was hearing kind of the a super tramp kind of vibe. And in the middle where you do the breakdown, there's definitely kind of a Van Dyke Parks, Brian Wilson thing going on. And I don't mean this to sound like we're comparing you two, but it's anything but uh, but flattery and good news to say that you hear Steely Dan and well, the Doobies. Well, sure.
0: well, We became very popular ripping off other people. That was our whole deal. Hey,
5: everybody <laughs> does, don't they? In their hey, own <laughs> no,
0: but, You know, back then, in, in that period, the eighth note piano was like... It was in every record it was like you know everybody had that eighth note that's true and somewhere in there there was pablo cruz what there was
3: that's song. what i was going to say that was my next sentence that i'd written down but still <laughs> of course sounds like pablo cruz it really does
0: yeah i always thought it was a great song you know? it's a great I,
3: song and then my last one i'm going to pick is everybody knows it love will find a way such a great chord changes when it goes to the b section into the chorus it's like to me And here we go with another band comparison, but like a more commercial Steely Dan and again perfectly executed musicianship So thank you very nice work Everybody needs to do a deep dive on these guys and you won't be disappointed.
5: Your vocals as a band were stunning Uh, I'm curious to know since i've never seen you live I know from being in a very vocal centric band that it's great to be in the studio and to get the, the vocals right, but how many people sung in your band live and how well did you pull that off as a band, do you think?
4: Corey and I sang and then our bass player, right. whoever the bass player was at the time, either Bud or Bruce, Yeah, both. Bud was a great singer. I mean, To guy- answer that
0: question, I mean, we were always pretty spot on live with, as a trio. It was a quartet, but three of us sang and so yeah. the harmony. Yeah. But but today we, we've added a, a fifth member who, ba- an, who who was really primarily a, a singer along with the rest of us and our and i really think our vocals are probably better than they ever were in our, our life nice We don't we don't use tracks or anything and we good them, but it just it, it just it's a great blend of, of you know the, the four of us and and yeah our bass player is a true tenor and he just can he covers all those high parts and it's really it's really it's fun because when we do sound checks there's a couple sound checks we do there's a couple songs we you know uh Try out the vocals and get the blend and everything and and it's it's always pretty spot on you
4: know yeah before we go out to for the show we always have the acoustic guitar backstage and we've run through choruses on several songs yeah. just to get our acoustic blend in the room
2: on this show we've talked to some other uh some other guests from san francisco the bay area we talked to bill from huey lewis and the news and talked to members of the grateful dead etc so take us back guys to to when the band formed and what was the scene like for you guys? Because uh, every time we talk to somebody from the Bay Area, we're like, whoa, you hung out with them? You know?" It's, so it's, uh, tell us your story from, from uh, your experience growing up in that scene in that area and, and uh, putting the band together.
0: To that point, uh, there was a lot a lot of camaraderie amongst musicians in San Francisco at the time. I mean it was a, first of all, everybody was banging around the same clubs. We were either in Berkeley or we either either in the city or down Palo Alto and, and so everybody was crossing paths as as bands were starting out and building, you know, building their repertoire and whatnot. Um but it was uh it was an amazing time. I mean, Dave mentioned Studio Instrument Rentals. I mean, that was like old old home week every day when we went there. You didn't know who was gonna be in there. I mean, Santana was there, the Journey Guys or Neil was there, everybody was in rehearsing and uh it was it was really, really a lot of energy and just just a great, great time. Um when we formed the band, we we uh we were <coughs> To back up, I was in a band called Stoneground, which was a, which was a... uh, Oh,
3: I remember that band. The singer from uh, the Bo Brummel's was in that band.
0: Yeah. So eventually Dave ended up in that band and then that's how we, out and said like you know because it was it honestly all due respect to the band but it was the most out of tune band known to man it was it was 11 <laughs> there were
2: 11 people in the band we had four. Oh, God. at least you had to claim the fame <laughs> yeah
0: exactly there were four girl singers and none of them liked each other either which was always fun you know we get on stage Ooh. and they'd have cat fights you know and and uh, so we we that's where we kind of said you know we got to do something else and that's when we we our drummer steve price was also in stone ground so the three of us you know peeled the band peeled off from that band and uh, hmm. you know started started woodshedding with pablo cruz and or it wasn't pablo cruz at the time but then i had met bud Cockrell. uh he was in a band called it's a beautiful day oh yeah great band he was married to the lead singer patty santos so Dave and I got Bud, and, and we the four of us went up to Washington, Vancouver, Washington, and we just switched. We got this guy, liked us, gave us a, a club to work in. We played four hours a night and we just made
4: made stuff up. Was, we didn't, we didn't really have a repertoire, we had a set list of about four songs. And the rest of the night,
2: was, <laughs> we played it was
0: like four hours. We yeah. played four hours. That's yeah. great, though. So, did you do one song
2: an hour or did you do the four songs back then? I'm just kidding.
0: I mean, we just dragged those things out, and you know, and then we kept coming up with riffs. David, have a guitar riff, we'd all kick in. It was like a jam band, you know. Terrifying when we go, we were there for three weeks, and when we came back, it was like, what the fuck are we gonna do? (laughs) Yeah,
2: (laughs) that's great. That's awesome. But, uh, good for you guys. So, I gotta ask. You know, looking, we, we Hugh made the reference of uh, album covers from the 70s, but, you know, there's so many bands from that era, Steely Dan, Pink Floyd, Leonard Skinner, Marshall Tucker, Jethro Tull, that, you know, over the years, there's always been that joke of which one's Jethro or which one's Pink, right? So you guys fall into that category because I had one of my sons, I mentioned I was, we were talking to you guys and he's like, is that a guy or is it a band? <laughs> I said, it's a band, but to tell tell so us what the Cruise's name Tom Cruise's brother? Yeah, yeah. Where'd, the na- where'd the name come from? If you guys should tell that story for our listeners, it'd be great.
0: It's a pretty simple story. I mean, it was a nickname of a friend um, in, in, when I was in college. I kn- this guy was from Columbia. Uh, amazing guy. Very, very bright individual. And, uh, you know, it was just sort of a nickname that, you know, we coined for for him. His name, his real name was Joaquin Villegas. And he, his history would take up this whole show. But he was a remarkable guy. And so... We, he was just—he he, was—he uh, graduated from high school. He was in college when he was 16. A really smart guy, yeah. and, uh, and and also just—he was a, a photographer and an artist and whatnot. So just just threw it in the hat, you know, with other names. But to your point of all the there was Fleetwood Mac and Jeff Tweedy and all these bands. So it kind of made some sense to throw it in there and, sure. and so we went with That's it. That's great. But we took a huge break, you know. So I always joke that people don't know Pablo Cruz
4: is a chef or a band. You
2: know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, totally.
4: In interviews that we did, you know, there were four of us. So like even on the Dinah Shore show one time, she Wow. Which one's yeah. Pablo? And we said it's the one in the middle. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
4: Four guys. Uh, but now great. we have five
0: guys so we can't really use that joke that out, can't right. use that
2: it's one the anymore one in the middle. Hmm. so tell us about the new song breathe i listened to it a few times it's great it's a great tune so tell us a little bit about that and some of the the more recent stuff you guys have been working that about. song
4: came about over covid over everybody being locked down you know everyone's living in fear and body condoms and masks you know and, and uh but we we got together mainly on Skype, didn't we, Corey? And there was, a lot of, there was a lot of Skype sessions, not a lot, but a couple, to write the song. And then we we did parts in, in our different studios. Yeah. Sent them to Corey and... Yeah, it wasn't exactly. We went into a studio and cut it and it was just sort
0: of it, it was miraculous how it got done because it was just it came in pieces and whatnot. But the but the irony was as soon as I, I remember being in, in the studio, mixing it and uh, it was right when George Floyd said, I can't
5: breathe. Yeah. Oh, wow.
0: My wife walks in and she goes, well, that takes care of that song. Mm -hmm. you know, because it was just a timeless world, you know, we're talking about how great it'd be to breathe. And, and and then it was, it was amazing timing, you know, so we waited, you know, and I think Dave, who'd you
4: talk to about it? Well, I talked to a friend of mine up here, who's a mayor and one of the mayors in Marin County and said, Marty, when do you think it's going to be a good time to release this song? He said, a hundred years. <laughs>
0: but we were years. very concerned. And we, you know, we, sure. we, we, we had, it,
4: Understandable.
0: Was, it was just, a uh, you know, an innocent coincidence is what it was, but we waited, we waited for a while. And then actually there were other things, other things that came out, you know, alluding to breathe and all that. So we. Well,
5: the whole, the whole pandemic was, a, was about the challenge, the potential of losing your breath and so on. So it, it, it's much more cosmic than that one sad and tragic incident. You mentioned t- uh, doing work on Skype as being kind of a, a product of being in lockdown because of Pro Tools and because of how available musicians haven't always been to each other for the last decade or so. Have you guys always done your best work sitting in the room and writing together or have you long been doing long distance uh, track sharing?
4: I think our most effective work as far as Corey and I as a writing team was definitely paired up together in the same room. Yeah, you know, working on. Yeah, I mean, we in the early days, man. We it wasn't a wasn't so much a job, but we treated it that way. Mm-hmm. And and it was just for the desire to to do it. Yep. We spent every day writing and and recording, and but it just seemed like the right thing to do. And um, it wasn't I don't know it it wasn't so much a job, but we did go after it. On those hours,
5: you know. It sounds a little bit like the get back a scenario where you understand that Paul and John had a great time doing what they're doing, but they also knew collectively that their responsibility was to raise the bar every time. What a fun way to do it, eh?
0: Well, yeah. I think a producer told one of our producers said, "You know, uh, it'll be so exciting for you guys when you get your first hit." We said, "Then, then you got to come up with a second one." <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and so the uh, you know, because the first one's kind of magical, you know, you know, even though you, you you know, you, you're aspiring to get a song on the radio when you actually, yeah. you know, when the song actually moves into the top five and you're like, holy shit, everywhere you are in the country. Yeah. And the song. And then it's like, so now what? You
5: know? Yeah. Yeah. Corey, I, I as a fellow keyboardist uh, myself, it's not lost on me how accomplished your chops are. Where did that come from? Were you conservatory trained or were you just really good? How, did you just have a good ear?
0: Well, no, I took a lot of lessons. I mean, I started taking lessons when I was six and I'd start and stop and quit and whatever, but I kind of just honed my own, you know, style of playing and I'm a terrible studio musician really. It's it's.
5: But you're inventive on the spot. Yeah.
0: Pretty much. I, I, I have to admit there's, I, I, I sit down every morning and play. And a lot of times I don't even, recorded or whatever and you know he, you know it's like it's you know it just can be just a uh sixteenth of a note off yeah and, and you can't get back to it you think oh i know what i played i know what i played and you go back and it's yeah so i'm about a it just, so I'm about that second which is why i love having my iphone to be able to record because i can you know record the moment you know if I'm yeah if I'm sure. ready. But yeah, yeah, I took lessons. I I, I took lessons, and I, and I was a terrible student. And um, but mostly just inventive. I mean, I've always been able to come up with a.
5: When did it become evident to you that with all the cool drummers and cool guitar players out there, when did it become cool to be a piano player? I'm going to presume Elton John or George Martin. Elton, and Leon Russell, and, yeah,
0: mean you know, I used to listen to Leon like you know until. I mean that that guy was so great,
5: and he was amazing. And, and, no and,
0: and Elton, you know, just for the the the, the sheer pop, but just amazing. I mean, it's just what a writer.
5: I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, a lovely piano player, I, too. I, and
0: I like Billy Joel too. I think Billy Billy's Billy's an incredible lyricist. And how about and, how how about Billy Payne? Did you ever get yeah. into it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. As a matter of fact, last time we saw him, he was playing with the Doobies, right, Dave? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that guy's a monster.
4: Yeah, he is. You know, Corey mentioned that he's, he doesn't feel like he's a great studio, particularly a studio musician. But what he is, is a stylist. And there's not, I don't know of anybody that has a style as as ah. marked and strong as his. Oh, Dave. Geez. And it's carried through our <laughs> record. It's carried through our record and, and also into his
2: yeah, personal right.
4: work with TV and um that stuff because he's he, he's really he's really what I would consider a composer.
3: Well, Dave, I would say the same thing about your guitar solos. Oh, thanks. I would put him up there with any of the guitar solos on the Asia record.
5: Yeah, it's funny uh, you say. By Steely Dan Asia, well,
3: not the band Asia. It's
5: funny you they, say that. I was hearing Denny Diaz and Santana yeah. in your playing just today. I was thinking, God, this wow. guy's got chops.
0: What's amazing about Dave is that I mean, we play, we're still playing, and and he, he cops those solos. Exact.
2: Now, before before you guys jumped on the call, and to David's point about Corey, so we were looking over your resume, uh, Corey. So if your ears were burning, and uh, you're an Emmy award winning, um, you're you've won Emmy awards. I mean, and you've also done. Correct me if I'm wrong. Like it well, said, like well, right. I'm sorry, <laughs> but but 300 plus episodes of Baywatch. I mean. Your music's probably heard by any by, by more than anybody else in the world, because isn't that show like seen all over the world all the time?
0: <laughs> I mean, it it actually made the Guinness Book of World Records as, as the most watched TV show in history. Wow.
4: And, and you wow, know what's man. interesting about it
0: is it's it's still we we just redid all of the songs because they they bought all these huge records, you know. Right. Uh in fact, John Camp, I mean, just really expensive records when they were making the show. We had Beach Boys and Eagles and all these bands, but they were like six year licenses. So, uh-huh. so the, uh, they were long enough to keep the show went on for 12 years, you know. Um, but after that, it, they couldn't put it out. They couldn't make, because of these songs. So we redid the song. So my the, the cool part is the song, the show was re-released couple of years ago and it's back on like it's one of it's still huge it's like in 150 countries right and uh, we always joke about it we always say look we did two 250 episodes with three scripts yeah yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: that's good but lots of nice looking I can oh, man. Yeah, it was it was, it was yeah. a dream day to work
0: on it because you know, well, you know yeah. the night and you've got pam running down the beach in slow motion yeah. how bad could that be
2: well, I but, can att- uh, I can attest to that. In 2020, my wife and I we adopted a little girl from Bulgaria, and I was over there flipping through the channels, and there was like 12 channels that worked, and I, none of them were were English channels except for CNN. And by golly, I was scrolling through there, and uh, there was Baywatch. I was like, "Oh, there it is! <laughs> of course, it's on."
0: Yeah, it was uh, it was a gift, man. The the way it happened. I mean, it just
3: well. So you say that. Y- they came out again. Now, did you replace those songs with
4: other songs?
0: Yeah. I, I, um, executive produced 400 songs
2: and we did it
0: like in 90, in in just a little over a year and a half. Wow. Wow. Every single song that was on a montage, we sent we had a huge group of writers. We got a bunch of young writers to work on it and every single song, that had a montage, every every montage that had a song, we sent that to a writer and said, you can't get
5: part close to this,
0: but write something that has this
5: spirit. Ah, okay. So you weren't doing covers of the original, you were actually emulating as... It's all new original
0: stuff, but there were some great writers, some great, great guys that, you know, that jumped in some really seasoned writers. Uh, Nice. One of of the, uh, my favorites is J.R. Richards from Dishwalla. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jr. J- is like you know he's a great singer and you know he was just cranking them out. Everybody was enjoying working on it. The timing was good too because things had gotten really sluggish in the business, so it was an opportunity. Nice, that's interesting.
5: As a piano player, have you ever done uh, string arrangements? Even if you worked with a a contractor or a, someone to, to do the notation, have you ever done a full on string arrangement?
0: Yeah, I worked I work with a with a composer named. Chris Boardman who did orchestrations for me. And I did the first actually the first movie I did a movie called one crazy summer. Mm-hmm. And that was, we had a 60 piece orchestra.
5: How would you approach that? Did you just put down like, like keyboard and. I mocked it all up.
0: I mocked up, you know, the tracks and everything. And this is yeah. back in the archaic days. I did it. Used a, a Lynn 9,000. Okay. Yeah. It's the wow. main box to sequence there. And then I used a sync I see. But, um, but yeah, Chris took it all and blew it up. Nice, you know. Mm. Um, but uh, it's there's so much more technology now that we can work with to do that. Yeah, and such good samples. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really, the, the amount of the, the, I mean, all in one little box, and it's really, really fascinating.
5: It's yeah, it's stunning.
2: That's awesome. And I know David during those years where you guys weren't together as well. You had had a country project. You had like, I think Southern um, Pacific. Yeah, I yeah, Southern, that Southern Pacific, yeah. and then um, what's the guy's name in Hawaii? He did some stuff with it. What's his name?
4: Capono Beamer, who's a pretty much a favorite son, Hawaii. Him and his brother had a, yeah, one of awesome. the biggest records of all time there. Yeah, that was one of my favorite projects of my life because I got to stay over. I wasn't really getting along with my ex-wife at the time, so I'd say, ah, I got to go to Hawaii to <laughs> write with Capono, and I'd be gone for a month.
5: Nice, you know? yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: We stretched it's the writing good. out over four years.
3: <laughs> i'll be back in four <laughs> years hon <We'll laughs>
4: yeah exactly uh, you know and it was surfing every morning and then recording and writing all that ah, sounds
5: horrible like damn it. who were your influences dave
4: uh there's got to be
5: a few that jump to the head
4: yeah i mean too many to list but i mean um every as wide as as marvin Gaye and uh and all the way to um sons of the pioneers i mean i love all kinds of music and i, I I've listened to everything, and you know the early days of playing guitar from Dylan to Clapton. Mm-hmm. I used to listen to Clapton a lot, and that Bluesbreaker album was one of my favorites. And
3: Vino cover, yeah,
4: yeah, right. But all all kinds of influences, you know. That's awesome. I, I assume we need to try to. We always
2: we always like to ask guests what was the first paid concert that they went to as a fan. Can you guys tell us uh, who that was?
4: Yeah, I remember mine was at the Cow Palace. Uh, the Beach Boys and love and Spoon. Oh, nice!
3: Wow, John Sebastian's a buddy of mine. Oh, he, he played is? on my last record. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, how's he doing? Is he still singing?
3: Yeah, he just put a new record out with Arlen Roth, where he revisits the Spoonful catalog. Oh, wow. <clears throat> so yeah,
4: he wrote some. Pretty you know, fun. he
3: mainly is you know still playing harmonica. And, and I love that guy. I
0: think that guy was, yeah, he was
3: great. He was a brilliant. And it's what well, I'm not saying he was. He's
0: getting some nice licenses with some of that.
3: Mm-hmm. He sure is. I he's all over the TV right now. Do you believe in magic? Yeah. yeah. What a what he's such a sweet guy. I mean, I literally contacted him. I did a record called "A uh, uh, Songs from Isolation." It's a full full record that came out in August of twenty twenty. And about the third song, and we got in USA Today right off the bat. So it was kind of it started rolling, and I had nothing else to do for four months, so kept me busy. And we did it long distance, just like you guys did. And anyway, I contacted his manager and said, I'm going to do a version of uh, one of John's songs. He did a cover of Sitting in Limbo. I would wonder if he'd want to play harmonica on it. Fifteen minutes later, I had an email from John saying, hey, here's my cell phone and here's my
2: home phone. Give me a shout. I'd love to. So what about you, Corey? First paid gig as a fan. Well, not gig, but first concert.
0: CTA, Chicago Transit. Oh, Nice. Ah, I nice. saw him at the cemetery uh, at the uh, San Jose Fairgrounds, and you know what's funny is D- Danny Seraphin works out at my gym.
2: Okay, really?
0: <laughs> and we were talking about he's actually not he's he ended up with the name CTA, so he goes out as he's the he was the drummer right in Chicago. Yeah, he's sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But those guys are all around. They all live around out here where I live. Right?
2: Okay. Yeah, we talked to Lee on the podcast last year. Actually, the trumpet trumpet player. Yeah, great.
0: That. First record was just was fantastic. Record. Just burned a hole in that album. You know
2: where was that show at?
0: It was at the San Jose uh, County Fairgrounds.
2: Okay, cool. Nice.
3: Yeah. And Dave, I got I want to go back just a second. So, how good were the Love and Spoonful that night when you saw them?
4: Oh, they were just incredible. I mean, it was it was letter perfect. You know. Yeah. And and it was one of those shows where you really couldn't take your eyes off the stage. Sure. You know, I believe it for, for them and the Beach Boys. And it seems to me there was somebody else. On that show, but I can't remember who it was. I mean, I was 17 then. So I that
3: think. was what, 65, 66, probably.
4: Yeah, 66. Okay.
3: Zal was still playing the guitar. Oh yeah, the oh, original yeah. band.
5: Yeah, very cool. Yeah, it
4: was the original guys. That's awesome. Yeah. And you know, and Brian Wilson was still in the Beach Boys.
5: I was in a band in the 70s. We had the dubious distinction of opening for the Beach Boys, which was a delight because I was a huge fan of theirs, Pet Sounds, particularly. But yeah, Denny was Denny was still with them brian was kind of barely with them he was just coming out of his dark days but it was fabulous to be sharing the stage with such amazing people yeah they
0: made some records boy i mean brian
5: hmm. oh no kidding the the
4: vocal arrangements on those records is ridiculous Mm -hmm.
0: so
3: how long was the southern pacific band
4: how long were you well i was with those guys for a couple years one album and a couple years okay it was a very consistent very quality show night after night. I mean, we had it down to where the comments between the songs were the same. Mm. Everything was identical, but it worked. Yeah, And the playing was real good. I'm
3: sure. You know, the shows like that are, are, you know, people don't know unless they would follow you Grateful Dead style. So it doesn't, you know, it's okay to have that. You know, when you're going to come into the next
5: song that way. Oh yeah. So that's one of the things about watching youtube and watching people in interviews because never before have artists been so available and so ubiquitous in the media so when you watch mccartney give an interview or tell a story and then he does another interview and yet another there's no question he he harkens back to some of the same
4: stuff you you mentioned the grateful dead when i came out to california in 1966 the first person i met in california was a guy named leonard hart and he owned a music store in san carlos And he gave me a one-minute audition. He asked me if I could teach. I was 17. I said, sure, I could teach. I've been playing for about a year. And he ran me through a one-minute audition. He said, fine, start tomorrow. You can move in with Mickey. Well, that was Mickey Hart's dad. So Mickey and I had a one-bedroom apartment in San Carlos. Mickey taught drums, and I taught guitar. And we sold Japanese import guitars in the store, real crappy stuff. But it got better and better later. Cool. Yeah, that's how far I go back with him.
3: And that's before he wasn't in the dead until... No, he wasn't in a the A couple day. years later. And then I think, wasn't it kind of Sour Grapes with him with the father, too, at some point?
4: Yeah, that turned pretty messy. Yeah. He really didn't like his dad at that point. Yeah.
3: So uh, speaking of other San Francisco bands, I, I was involved with a band and still am kind of, I produced a record for these guys, Moby Grape. you remember those guys? Did or you ever see those my guys? My favorite
4: line? San Francisco band. They were my Jerry Miller was my favorite Jerry Miller's my guitar. man. Idol guy.
3: Yeah? Well, yeah. he'll be glad to hear that, because I, I, I check in with Jerry from time to time.
4: Oh, you do? Tell him I said hi. We know each other, you know, sort of. Sure.
3: Man, is he not the coolest, sweetest guy? And Don Stevenson, too, the drummer, was, I mean, he's an he, amazing singer, but an amazing band.
4: Yeah, they were They were my favorite. I was a big fan. Big movie, great fan, for sure. When I was working at Heart Music Company in 66 and 67, those guys were the first band I met. Cause they used to come in. Don would come in for sticks. Jerry would come in, you know, strings and stuff. And I don't think I met Skip Spence at that time. He may have come in, but it was mainly Don and, and, and Jerry. And then, I don't know, it was just, that turned into my favorite band.
3: It's still my favorite band. So good. Yeah, man. Very cool. That's neat that you knew him way back then. Small world. Yeah. How about the airplane dudes? Did you ever run into those guys back in the day?
4: Yes and no. I I was so high on acid. I don't remember it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well,
3: they were too. I'm sure.
0: Yeah, <laughs> right around the yeah. corner from me in Palo Alto. Really? Yeah. And you know that that period of time. This is like this is the the uh, 60s. I mean, you'd see. I mean, first of all, Palo Alto was also another hub for a lot of musicians, especially the dead. Like, you know, down University Avenue, you'd see Jerry Garcia and all those guys just walking around. Yep. And, and, they, you know, they were certainly out of place at the time. But, you know, Palo Alto was was pretty forward and still is a real forward th- thinking town. But we just. Well, we, we play with the Starship. We just play with the Starship hmm. just before COVID. Uh, who's left? Because Paul passed away. David Freiberg.
3: Oh, okay. From the Quicksilver. He's the only the one
0: left from the original band. And then
2: Mickey okay. Thomas
4: has got Jefferson. Just
2: Starship, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: That's a great band. I sang with the, with the. Uh, let's see, I guess it was the Jefferson Starship. I think it was the Jefferson Starship. We, I t- toured with them and that's when I met my first wife because she was dating Ron Nevison at the time. And, uh, she was singing backups and I, and, and I came into rehearsal one day just to say hi to the guys. And they said, Hey, we need one more singer. You want to go out on tour with us for a short tour? I said, sure. So then I got to know. Uh, well, so
3: what year was that? Would that have been?
4: My uh, <laughs> now ex Carolyn,
3: <laughs> sorry.
4: It was like Set. about 85. Five. Yeah. About 85. All right oh wow but I mean when we got married Grace and Mickey both came to our wedding party and uh, oh yeah we had we had quite a star-studded event a couple guys from Huey's band I was in Stinson Beach yeah I was at Stinson Beach right I remember that because a friend of mine from
0: high school came and he brought this girl and and she left early and she said that's the most despicable group (laughs) of people I've ever met wow (laughs) hey nice well we were, we were just high
2: you know right it was rock and roll people we were Come rock, on, and yeah. Not despicable.
3: despicable yeah
0: but uh, she was just she was you know she was well like you know just, what you say uh, is despicable
2: in a good way or in a bad way she's from the amish country <laughs> or something that's funny man <laughs> but i said what what happened to your girlfriend she left she couldn't handle me really. nailed <laughs> oh well
0: well, you know what? I do have to jump, but I, if I can just uh, plug a little bit, the guys in our band, because we have a pretty great lineup. Of course. Yeah,
2: go ahead. Shoot. Yeah.
0: You know, starting starting with our bass player, Larry Antonino, who, um, if you ever saw that thing you do, the Tom Hanks movie, he was the Wolfman. Oh, okay. Yeah. They brought oh, him, yeah. Great. The sub bass player, but he's a phenomenal bass player, and he's played with everybody from Barry Manilow to Jeff Lorber nice. to Jeff Beck. and. And he's been with us. He's been a huge, huge addition for Dave and I because he 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 really lays it down the way it should be done. Nice. And and then uh, it's I say recently, but he's been with us for three years now. Um, This guy, who's uh, the guy that's covering a lot of the vocals for us right now, is a guy named Robbie Wyckoff. And Robbie was out with um, the uh, Wall Tour doing all oh the yeah i worked records. on some of
2: those shows that was a ridiculous show <laughs> i mean that wasn't even a concert yeah. i'm sorry but my gosh
0: yeah
2: yeah he's got to have some pipes
0: so he's unbelievable and, and, and you know and then the la- lastly we our drummer original drummer had to take some a leave for health reasons and so we uh, were lucky enough to get sergio gonzalez who was out with j-lo and just played with a ton of people wow. but this guy's nice. amazing too so but the best part is that we really all get along really well. I mean, we have a lot of fun. I think that you know, it's. I, I say this. I mean, Dave might play some golf, but I say we. I don't play golf, so when we go out, that's our golf game. That, you know, it's sure fives. But it's a hell of a game. it's
3: so important for a band to get along and you know. Well,
0: you know, I, I have to say, that I don't think. I mean, I don't think that we would do it. I know I wouldn't do it. I don't think David would do it. And David and I always joke or I joke. I say, you know, we've forgotten mm. what we don't like about each other. <laughs> so, you know.
4: <laughs> I like that. Truthfully, I mean, the last gig we played last Saturday in Las Vegas. And after the gig, we went to the, they had a suite for us with the food layout and stuff. And it was just the five guys in the band. And we hung there for an hour and a half just talking. And, and I think there was a football game on. And we just hung out. And and we really do get on well. It's really something.
0: Well, but I, I just wanted to kind of throw that out there because we're very proud of the band, and and I uh, the fact that Dave and I for all these years we can go back and revisit that repertoire because there's stories obviously behind all of it, and so it's a
2: gift, you know, at this point in life. We really appreciate you guys joining us today. Thank you so much yeah great meeting you both very cool to talk to you guys thank you guys take care our pleasure man
4: really fun everybody peace safe.
2: all the best see everybody later Bye-bye. bye 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 so
4: long bye
5: bye peace bye bye cheers